this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. And I, and I just need you guys to really hear yourselves and, and, and see yourselves and understand the things that God is trying to get in you. And I, I'm grateful that Saida is here because Saida and I walked through what, you know, some of the things I, I'm talking to you guys about. And it wasn't the easiest conversation that I had with her that I was walking her through some of these things that, you know, she, she sees herself. And, Father God, before I even get started, in this place I surrender my all. I ask for your will. I ask for your wisdom. And I ask for your understanding. That you may go forward in this place and bring forth the things that you desire. And I pray even now that this is beneficial to them and that they will come forth in the things that God is calling forth in Christ Jesus' name. I was in the back talking to Takia. But as I was in the back, do I, Lord? I need you. I need to have a conversation with the people. And um, I'm not doing my traditional uh, method. And just based on the conversation you and I had in regards to bringing certain individuals up, I was talking briefly to Takia and I was sharing with her the things that I see. And remember, how you were talking about how, you know, it was difficult for you and I corrected you and I did this and all of that. I need them to hear this before I go any further. I'm gonna put you on speaker with the whole, in my car is the speaker thing from church, Bible study. Can you get that for me? Yeah, I only have the little one, the little one, yeah. So if you can give me a moment to connect you to the speaker. I have a small intimate group today because I know people are afraid of the rain that's coming, so. Yeah, I crack up when it's cold. Both. Both. 
fulfill the need to come off track. I was supposed to speak on Leviticus, but you know, I find myself struggling with last week's message and just a host of things and people not dealing with stuff that's on the inside of them. Yeah, and and they don't go, you know, they cry out, but they don't know how <laughs> to, you know, get to a place to whereby God becomes the center and have the conversation with them and they surrender it and that's what the issue is. Okay, it, it, it's, 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 it's even the message that, you know, really rocked me. So how do I get this? I'll let the Bible study for me. Okay, fine. Do you want to use your phone and dial it? Thank you. And as I speak, I want to clearly say that I'm not your friend. And I need to make sure that I say that because it's about that pastorialship and you have to understand um, that's where I have to come from. Because if I stay in the place where I, I become that friend mode, then I justify you staying in that position. And a lot of times people take me as that friend mode and then when I'm harsh, because I'm saying something according to the spirit, they tend to think that it's personal and it's not personal. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, when we were watching The Chosen about that forgiveness part and that forgiveness part, because a lot of times people never know what they play and how they play into situations and how what they do really cause a effect to come forward. And, you know, I'm speaking, uh, huh? Oh, of course. Yeah. And I'm speaking from a place that I think it's, it's time to have a real check because you can't go forward unless you deal with some of the stuff that's dealing with you. And a lot of times people don't deal with it. But we're quick to pacify that behavior in other people because it exists in us. And we don't understand that we're pacifying something because we are really dealing with it ourselves. And rejection is one of the things that <laughs> I see runs rapid in this church. And, and rejection comes with, oh, you spoke, you spoke harshly to me, you said this to me, you said that to me, or whatever the case may be, and it wasn't something that was conditioned to come across the way you wanted it to come across. And a lot of times when it's not conditioned the way you want it to come across, you tend to push it back like this, even if it's truth. Mm -hmm. You tend to, how would I say, uh, not receive it, and you judge the messenger rather than judging the situation. And, and, and I, I have Shandlin on the phone because you know her and I had a conversation and you were brought up precious in the conversation and Takiyah was brought up as the prophets in this house. And you know, I shared some things that I was seeing with her and she agreed to undergird you guys in prayer. And she said something that really rocked me. 
Um, but it also reminded me of, of, of something. And, and so I'm going to start with, Chandelin, are you on the line? I'm here. Good morning. Perfect. Good morning. I'm going to start with, you know, because Saida, <laughs> okay, who's soon to be my family member, I'll say it like that. There's been times that her and I have had conversations and they haven't been the easiest conversations. They were the most difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And in having the most difficult conversation, just in case you guys don't know, mm -hmm. uh, she's performance. Anything that you tell her to do, she's gonna perform it. She's performance, but God doesn't like performance in her. So he deals with her because if you say, this is the roadmap to this, she's going to do it. And she's going to do it to the best of her ability, superseding that. But God sees her as performance, and so it doesn't work for him because he's not in the business of you outperforming him, okay? So making sure that you see that. But there was a point in time where I just literally had to have her to look in the mirror to deal with her. And didn't you hear God speak back to you as you were looking in the mirror? I said, tell me what he was saying to you. Tell me some of the things that he was speaking directly to you. And she began to cry and tell me the things that God was saying to her. And so she had to deal with especially how she seen herself. Because it was one point of time that she was going through and remember she went through this great diet, did all of this stuff and changed, tried to eat healthy and all of this crazy stuff because she thought it would make her feel better about herself. That wasn't it. Get it? That wasn't it. But until you deal with what's dealing with you, you you, you're never going to change. And so, Chandelin, just talk about the things you and I went through that was difficult. Perfect. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, I think some of you guys were there to witness a lot of it, you know, when we were in Granada Hills and at that building and you know, the Lord was, was stripping me, at least, you know, in, 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 in that context, he's still, he's ever stripping me. But when he was stripping me of me um, and of the emotional issues that I was holding on to, you know, with rejection, with, you know, all the things that I was dealing with with my, with my family line. And there was one particular Sunday where, you know, it, where up until that point, you know, anytime I needed anything, I'm calling pastor, um, you know, I'm sending her text messages. Everything is an emergency. Um, I was really just super immature. Um, and not only that, but very self-centered um, and very selfish. Um, and I remember distinctly going up to the altar and getting prayer because I was getting so frustrated that, you know, the Lord wasn't really answering me. He wasn't doing things in, in my timing um, and I was just a breath, top to bottom, um, and knew it, but didn't want to admit it. Um, and I would, you know, needed friends. And so, you know, I made friends in the church, but then, you know, was, was myself, was, was flesh led at all times. 
um, and was not willing to grow up and to actually surrender my life unto the Lord. And so I had gotten to prayer that Sunday, and it just so happened that pastor was praying for me because if, for, for those of you that have been there, if you recall, we would stand in a line and there'd be people at the altar randomly praying or praying for people. And it just so happened that pastor um, was the one that was open. And so I went to her and she stopped. She was praying in the spirit and then she stopped. I remember this as if it happened yesterday. And then she began to cast spirits off of me. She began to walk me through deliverance. And the last thing that she cast off was vanity. And I remember it, like I said, like it happened yesterday because it was like something was being stripped off of me. The spirit was being stripped off of me. And I remember initially being so incredibly embarrassed, but then at the same time feeling free and understanding for the first time that not only had God socked me in the stomach tell me, shut up and grow up. <laughs> um, but then also, he, he told me he would not accept false surrender or my fake surrender ever again. And if I were to give my life to him, I had to give all of it. And it, I was mad at the messenger, but it changed my life. And the way that I hear him now, the way that we study together now, the places that he takes me in the spirit now, how I parent, how I wife, all of that is linchpinned on that moment of deliverance in seeing myself in how pastor was delivering and stripping the enemy off of me. But then also it helped me to see that it was time to grow up. And if God said something about me, it's true. And to own it, give it to him and allow him to be the transformation that he's called me to be. It, it's not me to do, it's him to do it. And that comes from the renewing of my mind, perpetual renewing of my mind. It comes from me laying down my flesh and putting things at his feet. It comes from, uh, you know, as Moses did, giving my heart to him, putting the things that are on my heart at his feet so that he can deal with them. And I can tell you this, pastor can attest, from then to now, there's not a prayer that I pray that God doesn't answer. Specifically how I ask it. Not a prayer. Not one. Not one. I have a three-month-old baby. I'm in Phoenix on a trip, and I ask God to take care of my children with my husband and my mother-in-law, and precisely how I prayed it, he's doing it. And he does it over and over again for not only me, but for my family. But my life is his. That's why. And it wouldn't have happened if God hadn't had a gut punched me through my pastor all those years ago. Anything else you want me to share, Pastor? Let's talk about, um, you know, when you would hear a word and I would correct you. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Um, she, she put the fear of God in me. <laughs> Pastor put the fear of God in me, and here's why. Um, for those of us that are prophets that are supposed to be connected to the heart of God, because if you don't know that as a prophet... Your job is to be connected to the heart of God and, and convey and communicate that effectively. And it, it was touched on on Friday's message a lot, and, and I hope God drove that home for those of you that stand in the office of prophet. All can prophesy, but there are certain few of you in there that have the office of prophet. Your job is to know the heart of God and then effectively communicate it as he, as he sees fit. 
not as you see fit, as he sees fit. There were several times where I would give word out and Kathy would be like, that ain't God. I, y'all don't know old pastor. <laughs> old pastor was not afraid to check us. And she would say, that ain't God. Go back. That ain't God. Go back. And it was frustrating, but it helped us to fine tune how we heard him. Because if, if I were to liken it to, to radio frequencies, for those of you that are millennials and older, you know, you've got your 107.9s and your 92.3s, and all of those are sitting on different frequencies. And what she helped us to do is to find our frequency and how we hear God and where that line of communication was with God from within our spirit, connecting to him spirit to spirit. But it, it came from trial and error. It came from being wrong. And then being afraid to be wrong ever again, because then the Lord shows you, uh, shows you how what you say can impact somebody's life forever, forever. And the reason why prophecy becomes off in people is because they're not reading their word. How do a prophet prophesy when they don't know the heart of God? If you're not in your word. And in your word is not something that you're constantly looking at. How, how do you even stand? It's like the pastors. How do you stand before the people to give a message when you're not in your word? You only can go so far. And then after you get so far, flesh is going to enter in and you're going to remember something about that person and you're going to speak the things that you know from your fleshly perspective. And so you error and you're wrong. And you will never hear that you wrong because you do it outside of somebody correcting you. I watched not too long ago somebody give a word and then contradicted the word that they gave two or three weeks ago later. And I was like, Lord, how could that same word be different now? And the Lord literally said to me, she lives not in me. The word was totally wrong because the person doesn't read the word. A Bible study. A church service is not enough to sustain you. You have to be in your word. You have to sit before God. And I can't make you sit there. You have to go there on your own. I can't force you to sit in front of God. You have to make it something you do. You like eating food? Learn to like spending time with God. Go a little bit further, Chandler. Sure, and I think, you know, to to just add to what you're saying, um, and thank you for sharing that piece as well, um, it's not just, you know, your daily devotional word reading. It's reading the word with understanding. because if you really understand the Old Testament, like you have the Exodus story that is the, the, the type and shadow of what's to come in Christ, but then each of the other books is quite literally a story about an individual prophet who is pointing to the coming of Christ. 
but they are going through certain different calamities, whatever it is that Israel is taking them through, they are speaking to whatever Israel is experiencing. And when we're dealing with, you know, prophecy, it always spoke to the coming of Christ. But then you switch to the New Testament, and you have Paul who prophesies. You have a couple of women who are prophets. And what they do is they point back to the cross. They point back to what the heart of God was, which was eternal salvation that was irrevocable, um, you know, for his people. And, but it also points to what's to come, to eternity, to the thrones, and what Bradley has been sharing with us in terms of the other realms that exist, the other heavenlies that exist, and communicating from those realms because that's where we're created from as opposed to communicating to those realms. And there's so much that God wants to pour in us because of what's coming on the earth. And I don't want to scare anybody, but the world as we know it is about to fundamentally change. And he, he wants to do that to proclaim those things to his body so that she can prepare herself through her prophets. And he can't do that when we're stuck in our own mess and he can't correct us. He can't do it if he can't correct us. He has to correct us. He has to. To keep us refined, to keep us pure in front of his throne. And so, I mean, for, from there, I'll pass it back to you, Pastor, but we have to understand the importance of what he's called us to do and how heavy the mantle is. And you guys talked about mantles on Friday and what the Lord showed me about that mantle. It was a golden helmet. And that helmet was on fire, but the fire was unquenchable. That's the kind of mantle that he places on us as stewards of his word, as stewards of his heart, as stewards of his eyes, as stewards of his mind, and how he wants to move on this earth so that his kingdom can subdue, can occupy, can claim space, and so that his full kingdom can come and he comes riding on that horse. But he, he can't do it if we're stuck on ourselves. He can't do it if he can't tell us, yeah, that's wrong. Come back to me. And even in being wrong, the loving way. Like, yeah, I got gut punched, but the way that he loved me afterwards. Into a place where I could hear him fully and clearly. Into a place where I was confident to speak his word again. I'll never trade it for anything on this planet. Not even my children. That's how much he loves us, but then that's how much how much importance he puts on the mantles and calls that are on our lives. And he's been begging us to answer that call. Answer that call, no matter if that means you're wrong. Okay, Pastor, I'll get back to you. And I'm going to speak from a perspective. And Billy, I make no apology, but... I'm saying this because I need you to rise up. It is so good when we fall short that others are willing to stand in the gap to help us. But it is so wrong if we don't go to God. And, and, and what I mean by that, when Billy felt short, everybody said, you should be on your knees praying to God. You cannot... Lift somebody to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. They need to go to God. Mm -hmm. And every time I've been in Billy's position, 
I have literally came crashing, crying with everything on the inside of me, boo-hoo crying. And that's when he put his word in me. But if I'm going to look to the lifeline, I'll never find his line. Because everybody will justify my stand. And Billy, you hate being vulnerable. But the only way the people can get where they're at is that you be truthful with what's going on on the inside of you. And I, I literally would say to you guys, I'm not a pastor. Don't you get it when I was saying that? I'm not a pastor. But every time I was saying that, God said, no, you're not. But I am the one that is raising you to be my servant. And it's an office you stand in. And I'm speaking through you. And you must trust what I'm saying. And then he says, and you're going to offer up your life to me. And that means how you're feeling, how you're seeing things, you're going to share that even if it makes you cry. And I would be like, oh, my God, i got to say this. Me saying that delivered others. You get to the point to where God's trying to bring something out, which will save all these people, and you pull back. He says, no more. No more. And you guys cannot justify him by pacifying his stand. Oh, Billy, we know how you feel because you're sitting in that same position. You cannot do that anymore because you hinder you and you hinder God. What you're saying is I'm going to stay in this uncomfortable position and it's okay for you to stay too. Can't be. Chandelin, speak on that. Sir, um, I, yes, <laughs> when it comes to being a shepherd, your job is to connect heart to heart to the people of God so that he can then draw them unto himself. But if you're not honest with yourself, there's no heart-to-heart -heart connection. And so I would encourage those of us that are shepherds to be like Mary and sit at his feet, do the prudent thing and sit at his feet. Because I think we get so busy, <laughs> we get so busy trying to exude that we're the shepherd that we forget that to be the shepherd. And how to be the shepherd is to first be the sheep. And that means to know that you hear God's voice, to know that you belong to him, and to know that whomever God gives you is going to be who belongs to him as well. But you can't do that if you're not at his feet. If you're not allowing him to help shed those things that separate you and him, or that attempt to, if you're not allowing him to, to work on those things so that you can then connect with the people, then you can't be an effective shepherd. You're a great lecturer. You're not a great shepherd. 
And God doesn't want lecturers. There's lecturers in the world. He wants people that are going to protect his flock from the enemy, to see him coming in partnership with the watchmen, to lead people forward in partnership with the apostles, and to equip and undergird the saints in partnership with the teachers. And then to proclaim the goodness of God in partnership with the evangelists. But you can't do that if you're not at his feet. Even when you're uncomfortable. He made you uncomfortable so you can go to him. He makes us uncomfortable so we can sit at his feet. So we can share that discomfort with him. And then he can put, he can be our strength in those moments of weakness. But what we do is when we're weak, we run. When God is saying, when you're weak, you come to me. I'm pausing here. I don't have anything else. We need to get out of a place of justifying ourselves because when we justify ourselves, we justify others. When we're uncomfortable, we tend to allow others to stay in that uncomfortable position as well. When we're uncomfortable and somebody's going through something and it looks similar to yours, you will nurture them into that place. And you will cause them to stay in that displaced. You'll get out, but they're still there. What I've learned by the Spirit of the Lord, if somebody comes to me and it looks like something I'm dealing with, why do you come coming to me? That's the first thing I ask the Lord. Why are they coming to me? And the Lord will literally say, for you're going to justify them to stay where they're at. When you hear that, you need to deal with what's in you. Because people look to stay in places. People look not to change. And if you give them a reason, you're held accountable for that, just in case you don't know that. You're, you're, you're responsible for bringing them up. And you cannot justify wrongdoing. And, and many of you justify wrongdoing. And God is literally at a point, he's saying no more. He says, I hold you accountable. You know the gospel. But you won't give the gospel because of the things that are inside of you. Billy, I'm hitting you again. Your PowerPoint's got to go. And the main reason why God's removing them from you because you don't allow room for the Holy Spirit to come in. And if you're uncomfortable, the Holy Spirit will flow through you. When you're comfortable, <laughs> we're going to stick to what's there. And God doesn't want us in that comfortable position because we can't reach people in our comfort. And many of you like comfort rather than like uncomfortable. We know that this relationship we're in is uncomfortable. The gospel is uncomfortable. I sit here and I constantly look in the church and I say to the Lord, Lord, I know my prophets. I know my teachers but I have no clue where my evangelist is in this house. And 
And, and the Lord literally says, for the ones I've chosen, they're so caught up in their own stuff that they don't even see where they're supposed to be. Paul, you're one. Hey, Saida. Yeah, you're the person that says, hey, look at this message. Don't you understand? You're always talking about, look at this, look at that. When you get truth, you want to tell the world? Hey, hi, world. But because you're being pulled, because you're not dealing with what's in you, it's easy to get in agreement with the Antichrist. We all seen the chosen, most of us seen the chosen. I love the part that talked about forgiveness. And, and, and it should have hit all of our hearts and it should have been something that everybody should have been looking at some aspect of that and seeing where we're holding people hostage. I love the Peter aspect because Peter felt like he was justified. It wasn't Matthew that really stood out to me. It was Peter. Because Peter was like, you seen what this dude did. You seen how he hurt my family. You seen all of this. And the Lord was like, but you seen the victory that came out of it. So he missed the greater blessing. And in him missing that blessing, that's what, where the biggest issue is. He was so caught up in all the foolish stuff that he was doing, but he was brought to Christ. Matthew was brought to Christ as a result of your circumstance. And not only that, that God delivered him in the midst of his difficulties. And he didn't realize through the whole thing he was plotting to want something else anyway. He didn't even see the accountability where he put his, a strain on his family. Hopefully you just heard that. He didn't see the strain that he put on his family mm -hmm. because he was so caught up in himself. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important that we stop to look because we hold others hostage in our own place. Do we have the heart to forgive? If you're truly following Jesus, you got the heart to forgive. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no reason why you're not forgiving if you're truly following Jesus. If his word reside in you, then you're forgiving. And that's where you look at, if I'm not forgiving, that means I'm not really eating. I'm just being real. You've got issue, it's, it's there. But God literally said that if he's there, I love that, you can forgive. And extend that forgiveness. So it's not like, Oh, I can forget, but I can't forgive. There's no such thing as I can forget, but I can't forget. Or I can forgive, but I can never forget. Uh, because you have to see your role in it. And I think a lot of times we're not looking at our role in certain things. Bradley?
As Pastor spoke about last year, even though it is just house operational, in regards to the changing of positions, we're coming to a time where positions are actually quite necessary, but they do not start in the structure here in the earth. When I walked into church today, I would say I was started even before I got into the space of the church. I was, Yahweh called me to come and I was existing from the first place with him. And as I communed there, I walked, I was staying there communing with him from outside of these worlds. I, just bear with me here. I'm trying to go somewhere with this, but I was operating from that place and I was separate from the cares of this world. And so it had no hold of me. As I came closer to church and I crossed the driveway, it was as if I went through a screen and all of a sudden the cares of the church came into my heart. As if to operate according to the atmosphere here rather than operate according to the atmosphere from there, it completely ch transitioned. And I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? So I had, I had to walk back and then I was able to commune where I was previously. And so it was a challenge for me walking again into this atmosphere not saying God wasn't here, the worship was fantastic, but it was a challenge for me to get back to that place because of the desire of the heart to do certain things here, but, but basically where we're operating from is what I'm saying. As I sat in the back, Yahweh showed me a rolling of darkness that is, and I don't mean, well, let me say it a different way, a rolling of something that is above us continually during worship, some were praying in the spirit, and I could hear what they were praying in the spirit, in English. And it was basically like a, still a call to rescue. And he said, we worship our suffering. We worship our suffering. When we are corrected or the things that we deal with in this realm, we hold so high in our hearts that we end, it becomes a thing of worship. And so we cannot operate from a place of position. Correction has to come forward, but we have to be able to manage it in regards to bring it before the Lord. The prophets of the house, you have a higher call, and it's very much more strict. You have to do diligence there. But we cannot worship our suffering. You want to stop? And you can't be clingy to one another. Prophets are not clingy. I want to stop and say that. It's, they're not clingy. They're not trying to hold on to relationships because they understand the true relationship they have with the Father. And a lot of you guys are clingy. You're, you're clinging to people, and you're supposed to be clingy to God. And so a prophet cannot even come into position if they're clingy. Because God wants to be able to entrust you with what he has. And you can't get to that place if you're trying to bring everybody with you. That was one of my problems. I was trying to bring all of you guys up, and God kept telling me everybody's not coming. And I had to be okay as that shepherd, I wanted everybody to come. Everybody, come on, everybody, it's a party. Everybody get in. And he like, that one's going to be out. That one's going to be out. I'm going to push this one out. And I was like, no, Lord, no, Lord. Even to the point to whereby last Thursday, 
the Lord literally said to me, because I'm still looking at, at people who used to be in this house and, you know, where they stand or whatever. He said, it was their choice to be against what I set before them. You are not trying to mend something that they got in their hearts. You are not the problem. And you need to stop making yourself the problem. You need to move on. I told you up front that many will not go. And you're still clinging to them. And then the prophet that sat before me as I was talking to her, <laughs> to her she literally said, so you're going to apologize every year? So every 10 years or whatever, you're going to pick up the phone and call these people to apologize? Said, you're foolish. You need to move on. And then I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing, okay? Because in my heart, I was trying to bring them back because I was still clinging when God said by his word that they would be cut off. And, 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 and they're cut off because they seen something that they wanted to control. And they couldn't control it their way. So then in return, I was the target. Yeah. are still on a pedestal before him. Right. So we're not making that space for him where we and him are fighting. We still have these other things. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. And that treasure could also be the worries of this world. And I'm going to use him because he's an outsider coming in. We hear the music. And we're accustomed to sitting. And any time heaven opens, there's only two stands that we have. Reason why I'm using Eli, not in the negative. He found the only chair that was sitting. <laughs> Do you hear me? And he comes and sits in that chair. But in essence, there's only two stand. It's where you're hanging your hands up high, as Douglas does, in glory and honor, or you're on your feet, on your knees. There's no other stand when you're in true worship. Many of us are comfortable standing, sitting. Get it? 
You've come into worship, although you're standing, but you're really sitting. Because you're not taking him in. It's, it's, it's like everything in the atmosphere, you're watching movement. You're watching people moving around. You're watching everything. You're easily distracted because there's so much movement. And if you get into a place where God is, you would not see any of the movement. You would be so caught up in him that you wouldn't even notice what's going on with somebody else. But because we have other things, and it could be something as simple as, oh, God, my stomach's hungry. Oh, gosh, Josie, make that cup of coffee, okay? Uh, maybe I should wait. You know, that type of stuff gets in our way. Or we sit here calculating what amount of offering we want to offer. We're always in our own way. Hopefully you're hearing what I'm saying. And we have to get out of the place is that we're in and into the place that we recognize, wait a minute, I'm coming into a place where he's at. You know, you know how a little kid sees, you know, I was watching some point of Instagram or whatever it was, one of them things, and it was a little baby, probably about no more than one and a half years old, and grandma and grandpa was coming up the driveway. And yes, and the little kid would bypass the one grandma and runs directly to the grandpa. And I thought it was so funny because that's the way we're supposed to be, bypassing everybody else and run directly to our Lord. And I looked at that like, am I bypassing everybody to run directly to the Lord when it comes to my worship? Sometimes I'm paying attention to what you're doing. And that's not where my stand is. Answer your question, are you worrying or are you praying? Is, if it's worry, then, then it's wrong. Um, I asked, uh, I'm going to try and present this if I can remember. What we do in our hearts when we hold these things up is we basically seek life from it first in order to move forward. And I said, can you give me an example? When the Israelites in the Egypt, uh, I'm sorry, when the Israelites in the desert built a calf, they said, ah, we will build this calf and it will supply our needs. And so we are build these things we hold up and fasten as a worry or, what, or this work or I need this money or I need to get through this day. And so we're looking for that to complete our life. And as I sat here, and this is what we hold, and it's almost like even as we worship, we're trying to worship through our suffering that we're exalted to him. And that's why we're having struggle. Uh, here I saw rain on the outside and this is the rain that he promised us when I gave a word of, I shall rain upon you unquenchably, but it's on the outside, but it's not on the inside. It has not come. And he said, well, I will not enter in until they let this go. And he reminds me of when he enters in and he brings us to this place and we habitate with him, things of this world, you cannot be there and exist with these things. Right. You cannot. Right. You, you cannot. So we have work to do. We have serious work to do. If you think... Not to say anything about myself, if you think the stuff I had to go through to get where I was was just like, here's a cool revelation, fantastic, here's my day. It is not at all anything like that, yes. But even after that, there is a process in regards to really looking at the threefold body, soul, and spirit, and learning and dealing with 
everything that we need to in our positioning so we have the proper temple positioning so that we can be positioned where we're supposed to be positioned. So when we are there, none of the things that are here that we're dealing with can exist in that place, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't vibrate at the frame, same frequency. It is, it is from a created version of something, not the actual first of something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sitting here praying, and, and I, I say this with very high levels of fear and trembling. I hear you, Bradley, and there are some that not only do they wear their suffering the way you described, but there are others who the Lord just told me are holding him hostage even for ransom, that they won't do anything that he's called them to do until such time as he fixes what they've asked him to fix. Yeah. Okay. And what the Holy Spirit told me <laughs> very strongly is, as long as I'm captive, I will do nothing. And you will continue to walk around the mountain you walk around. And he goes on to say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the rest will be poured out to you. Can I tell you something? I have two boys of my four children that have a diagnosis that doctors have said are, can be helped or not helped. And I have petitioned before my Lord that they would be completely whole, that they would be completely healthy, and that's what I continue to believe. But let me tell you something. If they go through this life and never recover, my God is still good. My God is still worthy of my praise. He still loved me. He still freed me once and for all. He still washed my sins away. He still earns the glory, the power, the authority, the riches, the praise that is due to him regardless as to whether or not what I have asked for gets resolved. And some of you refuse to step in to what God has called you to because he's not answered trivial prayers, let alone the big ones. And I'm telling you now, he won't until your life belongs to him. Your life, top to bottom, must belong to him. And that's what he's calling Top Quality Faith Ministries as a whole, as a house, into. The laid-down lovers that we heard of years ago, to where if he took everything from you, like Job, he'd still be good. To where if he stripped you of even a home, you'd still be good. He would still be good. Some of y'all can't, can't drop a job and run into panic. But if he were to, to leave everything and just you be you, is he still good? And if you can't say yes, he's talking about you. I'll yield.
Holy Spirit literally was saying to me that we can't go forward till you really come to grips with the things that are really resonating on the inside of you. It's like we know word, we know scripture, but we're unwilling to allow him fully into the places where he needs to come into. We still shut him out because we're looking for a different type of result. And if you're truly, truly a lover of God, you are a laid down lover of God, that means you're willing to lay these things down because of your love for God. And these things don't even have any value to it if you really love God. You know, I come to the end of a road and I literally say to him, if this never come to pass, I, I'll still go forward. If this never happened, I'm still going to do this. These things don't matter. If it means, you know, I, I, I love when we looked at, for those of you who did, because these are the ones I'm really speaking to, when we looked at that particular part where the woman dies, I mean, and he doesn't come in to save and rescue her. It, that's where many of us stand in that particular position. Lord, you can fix this. And I love what he said. He said it was her turn. Yeah. It was her turn. She, it, there was nothing he can stop because it was the father's will. Remember, he looked at the father wills for the situation. And sometimes we fail to understand that Jesus still follows his father. And so some of the things that you're seeing in your life, it's the father's will. And you have to be okay with it. Have to be okay with it. Some things just doesn't change. And you gotta be okay with the things that doesn't change. Doesn't mean that you're going to make the change because you believe in Christ. If it's what the Father says stand, you have to be okay with that stand. And you gotta be okay. Chandelin, I'm not going to hold you the entire time because I know I have to go over Leviticus. Uh, Billy, can you take me to Leviticus? And it's Leviticus 9. Can I say something quick? Mm -hmm. You've always been saying this to me. Do you think you created the fabric of creation? He said, do you think you ordered the stars and said to one, sit over here and this one over here and illuminate as I see fit? He's been challenging, he's been saying this, like, say this, say this. Do you think you are the one that stretched the heavens as the span of your own hands? And I'm speaking to your bodies and souls, not your spirit. Do you think this is who you are? For I, I have called this forth. 
it was my will and my doing, that none should, bear, should have my glory in this. But illuminate again as I see fit. And I see us like, but I want to shine like this. I want to shine like this. I want to shine like this. Even Moses shined, and yet he still disobeyed. And we are to have something, even biblically, that says we have a greater glory existing within us. But yet we're still trying to shine like Moses and disobey. With that, the Lord was bringing up family, and I was like, Lord, how do I say this without calling people out? But I, uh, he said, use what Cinnamon called me this morning. This morning, Cinnamon called me and told me about a dream she had, and she said she started with uh, the dream with TQ that was in spiritual warfare over a situation regarding my mother-in-law. And I forgot what spirit she, she was talking about. I think it was rejection. Uh, I, I, don't know the, I don't know the details of the dream, but to some extent, she was literally talking about the spirit. But in the warfare of the dream, she's fighting this spirit. And she's having this great battle over the spirit. And she says she tries to wake herself up out of the dream, but in the dream, she could see herself trying to wake herself up out of the dream, but she couldn't wake herself up. But as this dream was going forward, she was literally recognizing that she was the problem in the dream. She again called on Saya and I to try to help her, and we begin to strategize behind the scenes, and we begin to help her. But in the dream, she was still failing. She then tried to wake herself up again, she was saying. But as she was going through the dream, she can recall that how it was really pulling her. Did I, again, I don't remember the spirit, but whatever that spirit was that she was contending with within the dream, the Lord was literally showing her that she had to let it go because it was hindering her. And her holding on to it was only going to continue to allow her, you know, to bring this forward in generations to come. Mm -hmm. I say to you guys this because from a Ramel perspective, whether any of the Ramels agree to it or not, just because you disconnect from it don't mean that that spirit doesn't still reside in you. And a lot of times we try to disconnect ourselves from family members, but you can't disconnect yourself from spirits. You gotta deal with the situation and you gotta deal with the individual. And if something constantly festered in your life, and you're constantly seeing it come forward and it's dividing and it's dividing, you gotta go to God and say, how do I become one that stands for righteousness in this particular area instead of being the party to say, I'm a victim? Because sentiment takes that victim mentality like, oh my God, they're doing this to my grandma. And I'm like, but what are you doing to change it? You are either a party to it or you against it. And then she said to me, as we were talking through the stream, I said, 
I bring granny over and I do this and I do that. And I said, a lot of times you stand distant, like she ain't even in the house. So what you're saying that you're speaking against everybody else and you're saying they're doing this and they're doing that, you're a party to it. You do the same thing. Unbeknownst to you, you're doing the same thing. I'm using cinnamon as an example, but a lot of times in these family, all this stuff that's going on, you're party to it. You're fighting whatever this is instead of bringing the end to whatever the spirit is and taking authority that it doesn't take over your entire family. Don't you get it? You may see it's disrupting some people, but guess what? It's in you. If you're planning on having children, it's going to get them too. So just because you see it in one and you think that one person is a problem, it's going to hit everybody. It knows no name. Holy Spirit says, say that again. It knows no name. It destroys generations. That takes you back to most important. How do I forgive? Because Cinnamon's response back to me is what the family's doing to her. And I said, you're a party to it. I said, these are her golden years. You're supposed to be treating her like I treat her. Visit her, see her, help her, spend time with her, but not add to the uh, issue. And many of us add to problems of families. We never stop to say, Lord, what is my part in it and how do I fix it? What do I do to change things? Because it's going to continue to go, and better yet, you're going to get older. And you got kids, those of you who have kids, you don't think your kids watching? And how are they going to deal with you? Better pay attention. Better pay attention. Because these spirits don't stop. Anything else, Chevelyn, before I go into Leviticus? I heard nothing else, and God's released me. So to God be the glory. I love you all. We will see each other soon, I promise. Praise God. because Bradley was right here. Leviticus. Leviticus 9. More on the consecration of priests. God calls Aaron to minister. Moses calls to Aaron and his sons. It came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. It came to pass on the eighth day. 
the whole ceremony of consecration lasted more than a week. It was not quick and easy process. The call to priesthood came on the eighth day, the day of the new, uh, the day of new beginnings. After seven days of patient fellowship with the Lord in His tabernacle, God was ready to do new work in and through the priests. Because <laughs> you can see here that God is calling you to a place of consecration. Uh-huh. He's calling you into a new place. And he's saying being consecrated unto him. And that means to lay aside everything that you're contending with, everything you're dealing with, and truly come into that place of consecration. Huh? Oh, it's about to be described. Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. This ceremony involved not only those who would be consecrated, Aaron and his sons. It also included the one who stood in God's place for the consecration process, Moses and those whom the priests would serve, the elders of Israel, representing the people as a whole. The elders. In most cultures around the world, Age is still associated with authority and wisdom. The Hebrew term actually means the beards or the bearded ones. Offering to for Aaron. And he said to Aaron, take your, for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. Take for yourself a young bull as a sin, sin offering. As part of the consecration ceremony, Aaron and his sons lived for an entire week at the tabernacle of meeting. Yet they still had sin to atone for the, during that week. The consecration ceremony did not make Aaron perfect. During the seven days of just sitting in the, in the tabernacle, he added more sins sent to his account that had to be cleared. So consecration is where you're literally in that particular place where you're offering up everything to God. It is your sin. He became the sacrifice, but you're laying down your sins before him. Remember, when we stand before Jesus and the Father is present, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that goes before us, that causes us to be clean in the presence of the Father. And so in this, we're offering up our shortfalls. Even the areas that the Lord talked about to us today, we're presenting them back to him and saying, Lord, I surrender these things unto you that you will have your way with me. I'm not in that place where I am convicted and then I get mad and say, well, look at you. I'm in that place where I see that there's areas of opportunity that I need to stand before my Lord and offer them in to him and asking him to deal with me. I am a lamb. I'll say it from that point. I am being sacrificed daily 
Let's go a little bit further. Through the repetition of sacrifice, God also wanted to show that as useful as the animal sacrifice, sacrifices were, they were not complete and could not make an end of sins. Only the perfect sacrifice of the Messiah to, to come could do that. Some suggest, such as Trap and Clark, that there was a specific reason for this particular offering of young bull, to answer for the sin with the golden calf that Aaron permitted, Exodus 32. And this is supposed by the Jews to have been intended to make an atonement for his sin in the matter of the golden calf. This is very probable as no formal atonement for the, that transgression had yet been made. Clark. And as and uh, a ram as a burnt offering. Even though Aaron just spent the prior week in special dedication to the Lord, there was still more to give. Though this was, not, was an important experience of dedication, the idea of consecration had to be ongoing in the life of Aaron and all God's priests. Oh, did you guys hear that? It's an ongoing sacrifice. You guys seen it as, oh, gosh, it's a fast. But it's like ongoing sacrifice that you're offering up to God. You're living a life of consecration. You're living a life where you're totally surrendering your all unto him. Aaron begins the priestly ministry. Verse 3 to 6. In the context of atonement and obedience, God will show his glory. And to the children of Israel, you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as a peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. He said they are not the same. And he said, and the reason why they are not the same, I, I wait for him to speak to me. He said, there are things that you literally see that you truly do, and immediately you repent of them. He said, but for consecration, you're setting apart your life, and you're literally dedicating who you are to him, every aspect. 
many of us repent, but we never consecrate ourselves. We never put ourselves in a position to whereby we're literally saying, I give myself to you. I think you hear it in that song, I give myself to you, okay, so you can use me. You're setting yourself aside for use. You're literally saying, I choose to relinquish all that I am that you may use me. And repent just says, Lord, forgive me for that. There's a difference in the two. One, you're just asking for forgiveness, but this one is, you're saying, I'm going to withdraw from everything, set myself apart. It's an intentional. It's somebody that's doing in something intentionally to, get, to put themselves in a submissive state to be used by God. Yes. Mm, no, no. And let me answer that. And the only reason why I'm saying that, there's still some self-control in that. You're still, but I'm just, I'm answering your question because there's some self-control because you're trying to sustain, maintain in this. And if you're surrendered, God's sustaining and maintaining you. You're not, it's effortless. It becomes effortless to you. Sorry, sorry. Um, is because I asked the father, "Can we consecrate ourselves?" And he said, "No, my son." And so it is not our doing to do so, but it is in him to do it, and our saying yes to it is the consecration. And so you're talking about like I'm willing to do your will, and so it's a lot of self involved in regards to even like if it's your own disciplining and stuff like that's not the consecration; it's his consecration. That's the difference. You're setting yourself apart into his consecration. So is that in alignment? That's what I'm, I'm I guess, maybe I strayed somewhere in there, but not imposing that on myself, but in translation of the, the divine word, I'm staying in alignment with this. With, with this I think we're going to find out as we read further, mm -hmm. honestly. So I'll, I'll, add, I'll yeah. add this because Go ahead. I live a life where I try to keep myself to God. In the will of God. Correct. Where I, where I, what I'm saying is I, I try to read the word daily in peace. Correct. I try to do these things to keep my life in the way that God would have Correct. Done. Correct. All of that is wrong. All of that is wrong. Mm -hmm. I cannot keep myself exactly. in anything. Yeah. <laughs> I have tried every method that my mind can think about. Yeah. I have tried everything that I receive. 
I totally see it differently because in my life, I, I recognize I make shortfalls. I have shortfalls. But even in the shortfalls, I'm crying out. I still include God in everything. Even in my sin, I'm talking to him in my sin, okay? I'm having conversations about the things that I'm doing wrong, and he's talking back to me. And so in that, I invite him into everything, and he speaks to me and brings me up in these things and gets me to see his love for him, which literally transcends the stuff I do. Because he literally says, as long as you're trying to work at it, you'll never achieve it. Do you get it? And, and I was trying to work at being perfect. And then when I just surrendered and said, you have your way with me, and whatever I contend with, that means that you're trying to get something in me. Get it? So I'm not, I'm not lifting my shortfalls up over God. Because when I was lifting them up over God, then all I was looking for is the Ten Commandment, God, to be in, in agreement with my shortfalls. And he would literally be in that position to whereby even though God wasn't speaking to me, but my spirit man, listen to what I'm saying, was convicting me and beating me and saying it was God. And Jesus was saying to me, I am not the one that's causing you to sin. I cannot be in agreement with what you're saying. I bore this. But you have to accept what I did for you. Hopefully that makes sense to you. And, and, and I kept repeating and repeating and repeating the sin because I kept thinking that God was going to take sin away. But he was literally saying to me, you got to stop exalting it. And you got to exalt me over it. And recognize that I bore your sin. So when I start lifting God up in the midst of it and talking through it, then, then I no longer had an appetite for it. Because I can see him being greater than that appetite. But the only thing that I kept falling short in, and I kept falling short in the stuff, and the reason why I was falling short in it, is then I would go to God to talk about it, and I would look for him to chasten me. And then my fleshly man, which I thought was spirit, was speaking to me. Do you hear me? And it was telling me, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. And it was condemning me in the midst of it. And then finally one day, I was sitting in, in his presence, and I'm waiting on him to chasten me, right? Yeah. And I'm just sitting there waiting on him to chasten me, and 
he's talking about something else. And I'm like, didn't you just see what I just did? You know, didn't you just da 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 And he said, I'm going to love on you so, so that you know my love for you. And so him loving me made me say, oh, you ain't mad at me? Do you get it? You ain't mad at me? And then the more I kept saying, you ain't mad at me, the more I began to see him in a different light. And, and then he said, you're tying me. to the old man, which means the old covenant. Okay. And, and I need you to step into the new covenant with me. Okay. Then when I started doing stupid stuff again, I said, let your grace not run out on me. <laughs> I'm going to get this. And you know what he would say to me? That's not you. Because I already see you over here. And this is who you really are. So I want you to see yourself where I see you. And it made me change completely. Because he told me what I was telling him, I'm still struggling. He said, no, that's not you. This is you here. And he showed me, and I could see myself in a vision in another's aspect. And so I was no longer thinking I'm failing, because he already showed me he made a way out. And so I had to embrace the way out. Hopefully that makes sense to you guys. And so me embracing that way out, now I can see my way out of other things now too. But then what really got me, because he kept popping up in scripture. And when he popped up in the word, he always told them the end state. And he kept showing me the end. And so I had to learn that I have to believe in the end and stop believing in the current. And that's where I was failing because I was looking at the current state, but not in the state that God had already redeemed me. And, and, and I didn't see his redemptive power flowing through me because I wasn't there yet. But he was literally saying, you already there. But I had to come into where the true man resides, the spiritual man, because he was there. But the part of me had to transition with the other half of me to get to the place I needed to go. And it was to me stepping outside of where I was resting and getting in agreement with the end state that God had spoken. 
all this stuff started stopping. Because and, and, I felt powerless. Because I kept felt like I could never get through this. And as I've seen it in one Moses constantly, hey, you're gonna, the, the, they're going to be delivered. I've seen it in other aspects of the word and constant in other aspects. And then I said, although I exist here, I really exist here. And this is where I'm going to live when I exist over here because this word already spoken forward. And so I need to come to here. And that's what I've been learning to do. And it changed my life. And I no longer go to him and say, I'm condemned. I say, Where's the, where am I at? Because I need to get to where I'm at in you than to live where I've been resting. Whole different way of changing the game, which means come up. So he's telling you, come up out of that place. If you get it, it changes your life. <laughs> she got it. It changes your life. This is uh, really, really important we hear this. Um, we are currently caught up in the clouds right now and there are counselors of heaven watching us at this moment. And I said, what are you watching for? And they are watching for those who will hear this message because you need to be caught up as a counselor as well. And I said, what will happen if they hear this? And they, he showed me they will uncover that cloak of suffering that you bear under so much so that you will actually be able to see. Because you beat yourself up constantly. But if you hear the end state, and you guys got to get this. Because Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. But he seen it as if he was already in it. And so when God was telling me I just needed to come into that place of understanding, I seen it. But I had to move into it from a spiritual perspective. The problem is, I felt like I had to work toward it. Yeah. And, and I was trying to walk to that place, and I kept failing. And I said, if you spoke it, then it shall be. But the problem is, I couldn't get the shall be. Because I was holding myself accountable for what was not. And he told me to change my mindset of how I was looking at the situation and come into the place where he's already spoken my deliverance. But how I got here in the places that I was walking was my judgment. I judged others, so I had to walk through it. And I, because I couldn't understand, how could you still be in this place when you know Jesus? And then when I found, I feel sure, I was like, because your, your spirit man wants out. It's desperate to get out. But the flesh clings and holds to it. And 
you're crying out saying, I can't do this any longer. But because you can't see the end result in your flesh, you can't find your way out. And the Lord showed me that my way out was number one is to recognize he took this from me. He took this. And, 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 and the way he showed me he took this, he literally said, see me nailed. And I had to see him nailed. And, and then if I couldn't have a visual of it, oh, go to the passion. He made me watch, see me nailed. Mm -hmm. And you know, when he's nailed and you look at the passion of the Christ, you can hear the spirit still talking. And the Lord says, see me nailed. Now see yourself free. You're over here. And from a spiritual perspective, all I did was I just moved in the spirit realm. And guess what? My flesh went with me. I was like, hey, we over here! Because I could see the end state. But what I could see also, sin no more unless something worse come up on you. I could hear that. Doesn't mean he wasn't going to deliver me for whatever something worse is. He just didn't want me to repeat. So, consecration is where I'm letting go. And I'm coming into a place and I'm saying, Lord, I, I, I'm letting these things go for you. Let's go a little bit further because there's something I need to get you guys to. I don't have a long message, but I need to get something in you from here. Take a kid of goats as sin offering. In one sense, this was the same kind of thing Aaron and his sons did in the previous week. They made several sacrifices a day, and now God commanded them to offer five more sacrifices, a kid of the goats, a calf and a lamb, a bull and a ram. While all this repeated what had been done the previous days, on this eighth day, something different would happen. Today, the Lord will appear to you. Did you get it? They offer something, and they felt like, wait a minute, we're repeating it. And sometimes you have to continue to get into the same cadence of bringing something over and over until you get to what God's calling for. Okay. Okay. Keep going. This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. Everything Aaron did in the previous week prepared him for this moment. This was the end goal of the week of preparation and consecration to the Lord, the display of God's glory. So your fasting 
was the beginning of your consecration. And so God is now saying to you, now he's bringing you into this new place of consecration. The Hebrew word for glory, kabod, is the, from the root kbd, which denotes heaviness or weightiness. Hence the extended meaning of significance, superior value, distinction, splendor. Aaron will begin to minister for the people. And Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the, uh, offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Aaron had to first deal with the, his own sin, and only then he could truly function as a priest ready to serve others. Make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron's priesthood existed for the glory of God and for the benefit of the people, not for his own personal benefit. The office of high priest was one of great authority, but of even greater responsibility. So the Lord had been calling me to pray for the church, but before I can even begin to pray for you guys, I had to atone and deal with what was in me. And so this is what he's literally saying. So in that place of atonement, then I can stand for you. And in that place of atonement, you can stand for others. Aaron offers sacrifice for his own sin along with a burnt offering. Aaron therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his fingers, finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidney, kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering he burned on the altar, as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with the fire outside the camp, and he killed the burnt offering. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around the altar. Then they presented the burnt offering to him, which with its pieces and head, and he burned them on the altar. He washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Aaron therefore, therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. This was the display of honesty and humility before the people. Aaron, before, the, before offering a sacrifice of atonement for the people, publicly offered one for himself, identifying himself with the people. The sacrifice told the nation, I am a sinner who needs atonement also. You guys got that. We identify ourselves with others. We don't just look at ourselves as one that's higher than others, but we are identifying ourselves with others. We all need to atone. Uh, we're not saying we're greater. Yes. <coughs>
scripture says he desires obedience. Yeah. I'm not standing in the place of justification. I'm seeking the Lord for, for understanding in all things. There's no justification for anything that I have. He says, say to her like this. He says, where your heart is crying out, you're seeking the Lord to move according to his will. And you're not justifying your stand. He said, you walk as a peacemaker. And he said, in the road you walk on is paved with forgiveness. Forgiveness. So every step is forgiveness. Because that's the road he walks on with us. It's paved with forgiveness. He said, you understand the hearts of the people because you know where they've been. And you choose to forgive because you understand their flight. So you see humility there. And you see somebody that's really, really understand the love of God and the love he has for his people. You know, when I, when I heard road is paved with forgiveness, that's hard. Because every step you're taking, you're forgiving them because they know not what they do. And, and, and they don't know that it's hurting. They don't know that where you've been, but you're still forgiving them. Does that answer your question? Give me the other part. What part that doesn't? When I truly give my whole heart to God and I truly accept the consecration, it's not work for me. 
It is a part of who I am. See it? Because you're working at it. And so you're still trying to do things. I'm not caught up in works. It's a lifestyle for me. See it? Because if I'm trying to do it and I'm constantly working at it, then it's something that becomes taxing over time. And so if my life is truly consecrated and dedicated to him, then it's not something that I'm struggling in. Like, me living in Christ is not work for me. I live in Christ because it's something I do. You know, when I get off of work, I say, oh, time to go spend time with you. Okay? So it, it is natural. It's not me trying to work at it. And when I work at it, I have to set a schedule. That's, that's hard for me because I'm in performance then. Getting up and praying is performance when it's naturally for me to pray. You know, I'll turn over and say, oh, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-ba, okay? Because it's natural. I'm not trying to do it. It becomes an a area that dwells within me. Give me a desire for it. Huh? Give me a desire for it, Lord. That's what I, I think. Uh -huh. What we have to ask is God to give us that desire to do it because no matter how, you know, you should pick it up. Most of it is because I don't understand it when I, when I do it. Give me a desire for it and bring forth understanding. Don't just ask for a desire to read, but ask for the understanding of the word. Because I notice that a lot of you don't have the understanding. Because I'll sit back and I'll say, what you get out of that? And I don't see that you see. And so then I, I question your lifestyle. And I know your lifestyle is full of performance. I don't perform for God. I don't perform for God. Because I'm horrible at it. Go ahead. So it's, it begins with the consecration. Because, I mean, I, 
definitely identifying with you know what what Tia is saying with the idea of what Saida is is speaking about. But when we come to God and bring our all, we surrender everything. Then He starts to move and shift in accordance with what He says. There is a sense where the obedience, when He nudges will feel like a sacrifice okay. because you may not want to go. And yes, when I come before him and I have things on my heart, I bring them all before him, I sin, whatever it is, I, I surrender it. And I'm like, I, I need to give this to you. But then I don't stop there because that was just to make me ready for what he wants to address. It, yes, it took... Apparently, it t for the, the priest, before they went to the Holy of the Holies, they had to, it took them a year. They, they prepared for an entire year before they were even acceptable to go into the Holy of Holies. And it was all by God's standards of what needed to be done. And then also, too, apparently, the, uh, I've, I've heard that the veil was actually 12 inches thick, and so potentially their bodies actually dematerialized and moved through it. And they had, they had like a rope with bells to make sure they didn't die. That's right. Yes. So you see, it's not just like, oh, I'm going through this thing and I got to do a lamb and a ram. But there's a very, very necessary process. Right. We were consecrated, ordained by Jesus' blood. Exactly. No other thing. But there is a sense in the preparation to be able to enter into that place as a high priest that takes time. The sacrifice may be of those things in which in our time with him in which he nudges you when he tells me come yeah. i say i'm like i'm about ready to like throw on the tv i just got off work and he's come yes lord and it's like i'm hit right away and it's i'm in this place and he's dealing with these things so i can operate and see potentially how i need to so i don't lay any other things on top of the things i'm already lifting up because then we just pile it up and pile it up and pile it up and what is this and this and this so there is a sense of feeling of sacrifice if we're, bottle, if we're battling our flesh and our soul, okay. which we will be until those things are aligned. Okay. It would be probably the better thing. A teacher is someone that has a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of knowledge of a subject matter and they say, hey, I'm skilled in this particular area. And so they come for to teach in a particular area. But a teacher that's called by God, they're not skilled in any area. Do you see it? A teacher that is called by God, because he told me to tell you, is not skilled in any area. They take a whole bunch of notes. And they have so much that goes on on the inside of them. But the funny part about it, as they're taking notes, they say, oh, gosh, these are great. I'm going to come back and look at it. I'm going to do this and this and that and that. And 90% of the time, they never get to their notes. Yeah. Hi, teacher. And it, with that, that teacher only can go forward when they surrender their all. But the teacher says, but I got all these notes. I'm going to share all these notes with the people. And, and God will let you try it. We'll let you try it, Billy. But you're going to fail 
because you're trying to serve what he served you. And he fed you first so that he can get you to a place. But then when you sit before him for the people, it's going to come out completely different. And you're going to feel like a failure because the way you, he served it to you is not the way he's going to serve it to them because what he wants them to get is something completely different than you. And so that means you're the forerunner, so you got to run ahead of them because he needs to serve the next meal to you, and you have to eat that before you get to the next one to serve. But a lot of times we're trying to get into that place, get the rama, and then go back and give it to the people, and it's never going to come out the way you did, and you're going to feel like a failure because you're trying to take what he gave to you in that consecrated place, and you're trying to force feed them the way you got it, and they can't eat it that way. So if you ever notice, when we eat natural food, we digest it. Yes. It takes form in our bodies differently. So as a teacher to be, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. It is in that consecrated place where you will serve the Word of God. Amen. And he says, son. And he says he knows you're not worthy. And it's not in your timing, but it's in his timing. Amen. And it's not going to look like what you want. Amen. But they shall eat and be refreshed. Hopefully this makes some sense. I know I can't go much further. I'm watching the time because he told me to cut it off at 1.30. Keep going. Um. Aaron's first act was bringing the sin offering and burnt offering for himself. He could not be the instrument of meditation between the people and God for worship, save as he was brought into a right relationship with God. He Read that again. Aaron's first act, bringing the sin offering and burnt offering for himself. He could not be the instrument of meditation, mediation sorry, between the people and God for worship, save as he was brought into right relationship with God. It was exactly what I just described. We try to get the word and we try to bring people with us, and it, it doesn't work that way. We have to, in return, tone for our stuff first before we can even offer something to people. The problem is we're trying to offer atonement when we ain't even got atonement for what we're dealing with. That's why we hold people hostage in their places because they're looking to us for understanding and we are still stuck in bondage in our own issues. And so we create allies
Sometimes you're not supposed to understand it because you try to understand with the mind. Okay, well, that's what, what I'm trying to say. Like, I can't go and copy what you're saying and say it to somebody else because I wouldn't even come out like that. If that person is probably at my level where they can understand the way I speak and the way that I talk, and then they'll get it a lot, I mean, they'll get it the way that most people get it. What level? Huh? What level? You don't have a level. You don't have a level. Don't even speak that. Okay. But I'm just saying that. Don't even speak that. Okay. We got you. <laughs> he dipped his finger in blood, in the blood, put it on the horns of altar. This was the beginning of Aaron's service as a consecrated priest. He slaughtered the sacrifice and with his sons carried out the commanded details of the sacrificial, sacrificial ritual. So what's being said here? Your atonement has to go forward first before you can even begin to minister to and bring atonement for others. You can't help somebody through when you are not even through it. And we're trying to atone for others in the midst of what we're going through. And so that's why you see the family lines divided because everybody trying to atone at the same time. And they're trying to present at the same time they're atoning. When you don't know what you're truly atoning for. Hopefully that makes sense to you guys. And then that makes sure that your, your walk is paved with forgiveness. That makes sure that you understand that your walk is paved with forgiveness. Because you're not trying to, you know, get this and help somebody else. You're just really tr trying to set yourself free. Rather, you're allowing God to set you free, not to set yourself free. Because some of you guys are about performance. Uh, Aaron offers the sacrifice on behalf of the people. Then he brought the people's offering, took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it and offered it for sin. Like the first one, oh, like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the prescribed manner. Then he brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burnt it on the altar. Besides the burnt sacrifice of the morning. He also killed the bull, the ram, as sacrifice of peace offering, which were the for the people. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around the altar, and the fat from the bull and the ram, the fatty tail, what covers the entrails and the kidneys, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver. And they put the fat on the breast, and then he burned the fat on the altar. But the breast... Uh, and the right tie Aaron wave as wave offering before the Lord, as Mo Moses had commanded. Then he brought the people's offering. Again, the idea is em emphasized. Aaron, like every priest among God's people, must receive God's atoning sacrifice first. It was only then that he could properly bring the people's offering. The sin offering... Uh, you guys get that. You can't help somebody till you're really properly helped. And I think that's where we're making mistakes, that we're trying to help others, and we get in agreement with their sin because we're thinking that they're justified because we haven't even atoned for the things that we're dealing with. 
And so it's an easy place to say you're justified. And 90% of the time, they may not be justified because you haven't atoned. And when you atone, God speaks to you from a different level and allows you to see what the true issue is. And again, as he was showing, what he speaks to you is not what you're going to serve them. And the problem is you'll hear something and you'll try to serve that to them and cause them to be in greater bondage. Hopefully that makes sense to what he's trying to get you to see when it comes to true atonement. The sin offering and waiver offering. Aaron and his sons carry out this, the variety of offerings previously commanded in chapters 1 through 7. These were all done on behalf of Israel as a whole, as a people's offering. This was the beginning or the training for their priestly work for the people. The atonement through the sacrifice of the calf in, verse, in verses 8 to 14 was for the sake of Aaron and the priests, but not for their sake alone. It was to make them fit to be priests for the people's offering. Let me stop you right there. So the atonement is to make you to be fit for the people's offering. And so if you really stop to understand, God's been calling you high priest for some time. We heard in Friday's Bible study that you guys are all prophets and that you operate from that standpoint of a high priest. So again, he's trying to tell you. He's constantly talking to you about coming up and coming into What I loved about the chosen yesterday was everybody was moved at the thought that Simon Peter's name changed. And everybody wanted that high position and they wanted to be somebody and wanted to be something other than what they were and, and they still had the wrong idea of what kingdom looked like. They still were so off in their understanding of what they thinking about a revolution coming. And they were so off in their understanding, but then they were so resentful because he did not exhibit the characteristics of what he was called into. And the funny part about it, when they said, he clearly said, Peter don't know what he's called into. And Peter went and asked, but he didn't say, he just said, I don't know what it is, but he never said, what is it? He never asked. He asked about everything else, but he never asked about that. And that's 90% of what we do. We're called into position, but we never ask. And I think we're afraid to ask because if we knew the call that's on us, we probably would not complete it. No, it's better to know because it helps you to drink the cup. Because when the suffering comes, you're not willing to drink the cup because it's exactly necessary to drink the cup because of the suffering is it's basically being presented to train, change you into what he needs you to become. 
We are all things to all men. And you have to understand, every man is going to show up on your journey. And you are that high priest. And you can't drink it on the spot. (laughs) Do you hear me? (laughs) Here we go. Let me drink this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No superhero does that either. Uh, continue. It was so that they could serve the people of Israel, not merely be holy for their own sake. We can assume that carrying out these different sacrifices was a kind of training for their work. It was all done under the watchful eye of Moses. And it was all done under the watchful eye of Moses. Who is Moses? Who is Moses? God. Did we not learn that Moses stands as God to the people? Aaron is the priest. So this all done under the watchful eye of God. Which is correct. Alignment of obedience. True atonement. Because, you know, we want to atone the way we want. That's why we leave certain things out for God. Lord, you can't have this part of me. Do you get it? So, So when we're presenting, we're presenting everything. We cannot leave things out. And that's what we do today. We atone and say, even with a fast, okay, I'll fast for this, 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 this. Why can't you just give your whole life? I'll fast for this, 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 this. You're going to give the stuff that you know you're going to be successful in. Right. Wow. You will never give up the things you're unsuccessful in. Exactly. Exactly. So what does true atonement like? It's to giving up of self. Not part of self, all of self. Because we see ourselves daily. We know what we're not willing to give up. And this is what he's asking you to atone with. God places Israel with the display of his glory. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering. The Before burn- you do anything, constantly question. And the Lord says, patience, I shall answer you. He said, not yet, son. But patience, I shall answer. Because I just see a whole bunch of questions, a whole bunch of questions. And the Lord just literally tells me to tell you to be patient. He's going to answer. Amen. Because you got a lot of whys. They're important to God. But he's trying to fill you up. And he's going to answer the questions. And even some journeys backwards, 
you've got some life issues that you really want to know, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And the Lord literally said, be patient. Like even, why did I come out this way? You know, I had this dream, I had this desire. And in that, God literally wants to let you know that he picked you. And so even the plans and the ideas and all that stuff that you've been looking at, the Lord said they couldn't go forward because I needed you in the position to where I could use you and groom you for myself. So that helps, hopefully, to some of your wives. Okay, meaning God chose you even before you chose him. Uh, repeat. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. I'll stop here there. So you know what we're after. But if you don't understand, you were consumed by fire in that. And it created a response from the people. That's what God's after. That's why you have to be offered first. Offered first. Guys, get it. And so in that place, you can't be, go back to Chandelin. You can't be afraid to be corrected. You can't be afraid not to stand up in the places there. You can't be a respecter of persons. You can't even be concerned of how, oh, this word of that word is delivered to you. You can't be in that position because, in essence, you've got to offer up your emotions because your emotions literally says, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel comfortable. Well, why do you have emotions? God doesn't want us living in our emotions. God doesn't want us to be caught up in feelings. This made me feel this way. This made me feel that way. And the Lord literally says, no. He said to me, they do not see my son. I've been, prepare, I've been preparing them for a time, and the time is now. He shows me our offerings have become half-hearted. Some of us think we are better off without him. That was very hard to say. I don't know how to talk about it. Say it anyway. said to tell them of my existence, but I don't What? 
we, we do not come from here. We do not come from here. We cannot create our tabernacle of the tent of the earth. We do not come from here. You're not human, I'm sorry. You're not human anymore. You're a new creation. Your existence is before time and space begin. That's why I said earlier, I was speaking to your bodies and your souls, not your spirit. All knowledge you think you have, all revelation you think you have, all experience you think you have, you need to let go of completely. He does not exist in that space. He does not ex exist in the space we create for him. He does not exist in our parameters. In the capacity of our understanding, he does not exist there. We need to know his existence. We need to know the beginning. We need to know who we are in his existence because that is the space that we exist with him. Any care or temporal frustration of this realm does not exist. It does not. To sit in his existence, none of these cares are there. None of these worries are there. None of these problems are there whatsoever. As the high priest it reminds me of the, the robe, the train of the Lord's robe fills the temple. Mm -hmm. I've told you of the experience where under the weight of that robe, I was pressed to the floor and could not get up. But that's because I was earthly, experiencing that. We as a high priest, the weight will have no weight upon us, but it will come from us to the earth realm. We are bearers of the law and the commandments of God to existence from the eternal. So we cannot try and bear the temporal in the eternal. His existence holds no fears, nor tremblings, nor frustrations, nor sin, nor troubles, nor worries. Your reality that you think you live in is not his. And if that is true, then how do we reconstruct our minds to see his reality and our true reality? It is the nurturing in the secret place where we deal with these things, where we allow him to deal with these things. He may ask you to reform yourself in praying in your temple. And you may find things that happen when you were one or two or memories that come up that may be sitting there in your soul as early trauma that he may deal with. Because of your entire existence, past, present, and future, you can travel to. Because time does not exist except in the temporal. 
Why am I saying all this stuff? Our perspective of reality needs to change because of who we are. We embody our thought processes. As we think and believe, so we are. He must reframe that. Holy Spirit just reminds me of in the movie where the gentleman comes out and he's like, I want all these tents out of here. I want all these tents out of here. And then this one African-American woman, he then says to her, your taxes, I bet you didn't pay your taxes. And she begins to yield back and freeze like she wanted to run back into her tent and hide. And the Lord literally says, you should be tired of paying tribute to this world. And what he means by that, you feel like you have to do something in order to gain something. Yes. You're paying tribute to this world. If I don't do this, this is not going to come forth. If I don't do this, this is not going to come forth. I don't do this, this is not going to come forth. He says, that doesn't work in my kingdom. He said, no more paying tribute. You know how you hear these things in the spirit, in your natural man, which you think it's in the spiritual realm, and you're trying to do this in order to gain spiritual ground. And God is literally saying to you, stop paying tribute. It's a faulty way of thinking and seeing things. You never, you will always have to pay something. Don't you get it? To do this, you got to do this. To do this, you got to do this. To do this, you got to do this. To see this, you got to do this. And not recognizing it's your surrender. It's where it's not. It is you being consecrated. As I was sitting here listening to him about consecration, he said, whoa, you did that fast. And he said, and you gave me what you thought I wanted. And now you're going to do it according to my standard. And he said, and it shall not be easy, daughter. Because he says, because I'm desired to burn myself in you. You know, I did the easy fast. Stop at 5 o'clock. Don't eat here. <laughs> and get along, okay? Which is one of the world's way of fasting, okay? Intermittent fasting. Lord, it's easy, okay? And God says, you didn't gain ground with that. because when we say consecrate we think of tribute what tribute can I pay to you it's a place we offer something but it's never going to be our best 
It's just an offering. It's never our best. We won't give people our best. And the sad part about it, we're afraid to receive the best too. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. And so in the places where you're at, with eyes closed, hands lifted, I'm not surrendering because something that was come forth in this message. I'm surrendering because I choose to exist in the place that you created me to exist in. Lord, I can no longer be tied to tribute. It's never enough, nor is it fulfilling. Today I hear you as I've heard you in your word. And I can clearly see that you're trying to get me into a place where I'm truly set free and I no longer lived in the bondage of this place. Lord, I've been a slave to this world. And I'm choosing today to end that slavery. And to be united with you. One mind, one body, one spirit. And this is my choice. And I choose you. Have your way in me. That you may complete the works in me. And in this place, I choose to consecrate myself. that I may be ready for your works. And that your will may be accomplished in me. And Lord, even as I have my hands lifted in honor and worship, I'm choosing you. In Jesus' name, let you, what you have spoken from when you created all things to 
dwell in me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I think I need to do something. Um, I think I want to do an exercise because of where we are in the spirit right now. So I want us to stay in this place because there's certain things palpitating on the present front of our hearts because the, the counselors started to stand up and then an angel appeared behind Pastor and then it appeared, we appeared to be in the courts, the mobile court of heaven. So I'd like you all to please reclose your eyes. Now in the mobile court of heaven, the adversary will show up next to you on the right. This is where Job 2 talks about this and I can feel the presence of it even more where the sons of God used to come and the adversary would come and lay a case against them. I want you to listen to the, what the adversary says. It will all be true. And you will have to agree. But then because of Jesus' blood, you will be completely redeemed from it. Even if yourself shows up, body or soul, and lays something against you, I need you to hear it. I need you to listen to the completion of what the complaints are. Listen to them. Listen to them fully. The judge is before you, but they are silent as the adversary speaks as in a courtroom. The one who has a case against you, even if it's self, listen fully and completely to everything it is saying. And you must agree, because it will be true. <laughs> but then look to the Lord after it is done. And know that by his blood he sees it none. And I can feel even the earth realm in front shaking as you do this. Thank you. I need to work with your hearing. Next Sunday when you come, I'm going to spend some time working on your hearing because it, it, it will help you. I can feel the weight of this earth realm even just almost want to shatter. So I'll ask you to close your eyes. Continue to focus. And in closing your eyes, say, Lord, do you love me? And I want you to tell me what you're hearing. Repeat, Lord, do you love me twice? Say it out loud. He says, I'm speaking. Do you hear that quiet voice back in you? What are you hearing? Yes. Who just spoke to me? Tell me your name. Asa. Whoever just spoke to me, tell me your name. He told you his name. What did you hear? So, Lord, 
as I'm here before you, what do you have against me? He's speaking to you. Tell me what you're hearing. For the adversary said to me, you don't believe. That's what he told me when I was listening. That's what he told me. And I, I had to agree. Exactly. That's God speaking. Who just told me I don't trust? Tell me your name again. He's speaking. Thank you. Okay, so you're hearing like we hear. I'm just pushing you further. The more you pray in the spirit, Michael, the more you pray, pray you build your inner man up to here. A lot of us don't like praying in the spirit because we don't know what we're saying. But you're really building the man up on the inside. So if we're sitting in a setting like this, you hear loud and clear like the rest of us. This is a church that hears the voice of God. So what else other than I don't trust? Ask that question. What do you mean by self? Am I trying to do this without you? You have to ask questions. So am I trying to do this without you? What did he say? And what did he say? How do I surrender? He's speaking. Say that again. Attempting. Attempting what, Lord? Attempting what, Lord? Who am I holding hostage in me? Who am I holding hostage in me? Praise God. <laughs> I heard that too. it and so you're like Lord I surrender my life to you I let go of me and what I look like what I think I'm supposed to be all of this stuff my failure my mistake that's all that unforgiveness in you am I in unforgiveness against me can you hear that So now I know when you're in a setting, you hear well when you're in a setting with a whole bunch of believers that hears. Mm -hmm. But if you pray in the spirit and you're practicing the same thing mm -hmm. at home, you hear. So Michael, the Lord literally says to you the same thing. Hear me, son. So literally saying out loud, Lord, I choose you. Have your way in me. Repeat that again. 
what is it that you have against me? What is it that you have against me? I know you heard a word. What is it? So he's telling you that you have unbelief. Who just told me I don't believe? Tell me your name. What is he saying? Say it louder. Exactly. <laughs> Lord, help my unbelief. What else do you have against me? What else you hear? Huh? Nothing, my son, that is all? Was that you speaking or myself? You have to ask the question. Was that you speaking, Lord, or myself? Exactly. Because we don't want to hear other things. And so you say, I repent, Lord, because in my mind, I thought it was just that. I'm sure there's other things. Will you reveal it to me? I need to pray tonight. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's it. Because the more you pray, the more you build yourself up to hear. So I don't ever want somebody to be in a setting that they don't hear and everybody else hear. It makes it uncomfortable. But now you see, right? You know he's speaking. You know he's speaking. And so in that place of forgiveness, all we're doing is surrender. Because I could hear the adversary really saying a whole bunch of things about me. And in these places, yeah, you're right. You're right. He's right. You don't believe. There's no need to fight it. You just agree with it. And you ask God for help. Exactly. So you just say, Lord, help my unbelief. This is new to you. I come to a church, and these people hearing voices. It seems awkward. And these voices don't sound nothing like what I expect, but it's, it's something that's happening on the inside of me that's making me see something different. And so it's, it's natural to say this is weird. But once you get used to it, you won't live any other way. Because the word of God says, my sheep shall hear my voice. And you shall. And you will live by his voice. I just want to talk a little bit about the court that, that God brought us to. There's some rules. Uh, you, can, you cannot bring someone else. This is by the gate of his blood, and this is the reason what was happening in front of us was you were, you were being presented by him in an in a orchestrated way by the government of heaven. And so when things were properly addressed as they should be, it started to open up the fabric of who you really are, and so this realm could not take it. And so it started to shake and get heavy and almost 
like water turning to glass wanted to break. And I can even feel it tingling now in the air, but as I talk about it, but that's what starts to happen. The realm and time and space around you will have to shatter in regards to its hold over you because of who you are. And so it was, it was as, if, as if who you really were was allowed to come out for a second because of the, the proper way it is addressed in a courtroom. And so because of that, by law and the spirit, it is has to be taken care of. And so we say, I plead your blood, and that's it. Now as you go forward, is it possible to pick these things back up? It is. It is. But this is a place that by his blood we can go to and hear these things properly. And the adversary, I can go into this real quickly. I had an experience the other day where he brought me here. And the adversary was done and he said, what do you see? I said, the adversary's finished. He says, look again. My body showed up and then my soul showed up. They laid heavy cases against me. We are not supposed to hate our bodies. Flesh is something different of what it talks about in Scripture. Our bodies and souls are to be renewed as a transfiguration as Jesus did. Your body and your soul showed up as what? As, as, yes, yes. They sold up as separate parts, separate beings to lay against me a case. And I cried hard. I felt so bad. You guys get that, right? Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. You have to look at your body. Many of us despise our body. And it has a case against you. Get it? And you have to deal with how you feel about your body. Because what you're doing is reject, rejecting creation. You're saying, Lord, you made a mistake. So it will stand against you because you never embraced it. You get what I'm saying? Okay, let, let me probably say it in this way. hate my breath and I tell God especially now that I went through menopause I'm going through menopause it's continued to change and it's still growing and I cannot stand it and, and I literally said Lord you know I'm gonna go into the doctors I'm gonna claim back problems and da 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 and they're going to give me free surgery because I hate it I hate that they become the greeters for me because sometimes I'm greeted here and I'm not greeted here and I'm like, lift your eyes up, look over here, I'm right here. And in that place, I hate it. And the Lord says, what you're saying is you hate me.
He said, you have allowed the enemy to present images to you of what it's supposed to look like and you haven't accepted what I made you to be. Get it? I'm, I'm focused in on an image. And somehow he's presenting an image to me and I embraced that over the years. And that image, may I say pay tribute? That image is constantly telling me to pay tribute to it. See it now? Making sure that you see this. Because that image is what I'm looking at. And I'm desiring to be that image which I pay tribute to it when I see people walking by with that image. And then I despise minds. Making sure you see it. So, and then from the spiritual perspective, I cannot change it. Get it? And so therefore, I'm constantly rejecting it. Can I go deeper in, the, in this again? Uh, you may have heard me talk about this, and it may have just gone like that because you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Um, he has revealed to me in some sense that um, our bodies were never supposed to die in the first place. Uh, the entire fall was death anyway, so if Jesus defeated that, why would we have to still die? Because that's old tradition, old church theology, and what we've been learning for a long time. Um, so do I believe my body can live forever? Yeah, I actually do. I actually, he has revealed it to me, and it's been confirmed by other people I've never talked to. Uh, there's, there's reports of people that are actually over 300-some years old walking around the earth, um, but no one will reveal, God will not reveal who they are. What I'm saying is, when the body shows up and the soul shows up, it's because we often akin these things to death and rejecting self. And we say, our body's gonna die, I'm getting older, and so we're rejecting it. And so, and so we, 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 are, are, we are attached to this idea that death is at work in our being continually, right? Because we are dying every, yes. So in reality, we are, we are supposed to, re why would the earth in creation wait for the adoption of sons that it also gets if, if it was just going to die? We are supposed to renew and transform it, transfigure everything. That is our purpose. And so it has to start with self. And so that's why the body and the soul shows up as well because of the case we hold against it. So there's a lot of work to be done. Right? Within our hearts to be high priests, within our bodies so that we can actually carry and be from where we're supposed to be from into this place and not have this place bear witness with our being somewhere. Being in agreement with tribute. With tribute. What, what the enemy says, pay tribute. Being in agreement with tribute. Pay tribute to this. It's like things that you see and you pay tribute to it. You don't even see that you, you're giving it value. You're paying tribute to it, which is correct. But you know, like sometimes, like, you know, like when the Bible says there's a season for everything, 
like I mean, cause sometimes like when they do, I go out, I'm getting older, of course it's just gonna hurt now because it's, I'm getting older because it's the season. Yeah, where'd that come from? I know, yeah. but I'm just saying, I, I'm, I always ask, cause you said there's a season, oh, like yeah. there's a, when you think there's a season for everything, so I would just think oh, this is a season. Mm, I don't season. associate that I, with a season. What you're saying, like, <laughs> that is not, that doesn't mean that you know, you could still play with your grandkids, you could still run around. You could, you God said take care of that, what he's given you. He tells us to take care of what he's given us. The problem is we don't take care of it. Okay? We're supposed to take care of our temple. The reason why so many of us leave early is because we don't take care of our temple. Mm-hmm. You know, when your BMI is over, you need to start working it out. But we don't see that that's an issue. I love this new scale they have on Amazon. I forgot the name of it, but it gives you everything about you, and it even tells you how old your body is based on your weight. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, it's an awesome scale, but it's something that sometimes we need to have a true understanding of what we look like. So the stuff that we're paying tribute to, this is tribute to this. You don't even realize your mind is in agreement with some of this stuff and paying tribute to it. Exactly. Okay. And so with that, can we close? Because <laughs> we've been trying to close. <laughs> Speak in the eye, got something to say about that. Yes, praise God. <laughs> yeah. But keep practicing. Mm -hmm. The eye is a receptor of information, right? But as a spirit being, we, we see with the eyes of our heart. That's what we really see. As we retain information by what we see in, as we walk through the day, we have to, we, we take it in, and then we have a response based on first mention of how we experienced it in our reality of our lives on how we should properly uh, respond to it, if that makes sense. So what we're actually doing is allowing it into the gates of our hearts to have that authority to, to say, this is what's, this is how I need to deal with this and deal with, deal with this, when instead, if we see information, we hear from his perspective, true sight, and we respond out of that other place, if that makes sense. So it is not a, here's the information, I do, my heart is like, it's my heart is like so ready, like this is the information, how do I do it, how do I do it, I serve it, I serve it, I'm like, oh my Lord, Lord, he has to deal with my heart all the time because my, like, tribute, tribute, tribute to the earth, this is how I serve it, this is how I do it, it has to be the opposite. We have to really hear what the true sight is of what is happening in the earth so we can respond before we take it in and take it in and receive it as an earth being and say, this is how I need to respond to it from human wisdom. We have to literally see it. We learn to see it spiritually so we don't take it into our gate so it has the, that authority over us. And instead, we come from a place of authority so it has to listen to us. Remember, we are the ones the earth is waiting for Okay, yes, I can say this too. All of creation waits for us. The stars, the suns, the planets, the dark matter, everything waits for us and turns to us with a voice saying, when will you stand up? When will you mature as a sun? Because it is waiting for us to have authority. Can I, oh, fantastic, I get to read all that. We get to have authority over these things. I was taken to what he called the first place. I don't know why, but that's just what he said. And in this place was before anything existed. And I saw a king, 
as a star in the heaven. And this was uh, the crux of those particular realms it was overseeing, and it became again the illumination in the skies that it talks about Genesis, that we are, that it was before the stars were laid and the, the, the suns and stuff like that, but he put illuminations in the heavens. That was us to, to be for signs and seasons, right? We are, once we stand in that place in full high priest mode, we become an illumination in the heaven, which is a star that is the crux, a cornerstone of certain dimensional places that we are to oversee. You see, this is much bigger than we realize. It should blow up. No, it, because the heart is what really thinks and sees. The brain is just what retains, not, retains information. So you want your, your brain to fry and explode so that your information comes from a different place. You will be rewired. Instead of Greek thinking, which will be, this one line has to be like this, it'll be Hebrew, which is like this. One plus one is two, and that's it. No, Hebrew is one plus one equals two equals one plus one. And understand, God is not saying that you can't fail. God cannot not saying you can't fall short. He's literally asking you in that place where you're falling short and you're failing, Billy, and you're not. He's just literally saying, come to him. Yeah. That's all he's asking you to come to him. And it's okay to say to people you're failing for the various reason that he has the ability to help, okay? And I know why the noise is coming in the background because he's trying to yeah. stop you guys uh -huh, from hearing. So that's the spirit of blasphemy. And so we muzzled that spirit of blasphemy in the name of Jesus that it has no power and authority over this assembly in Christ Jesus' name. We rebuke that spirit and we cast it into dry places in the name of Jesus. I still fail all the time, Man. every day, but he is faithful to bring me back to that position and that place, continual, and continually work this out in my heart, in the things that I am still laying tribute to, the things I am still doing this, I am still working this out all the time. And, and sometimes I'm just like, I just can't get it. But the point is, I, I am persistent. I am persistent and obedient in these things. Mm -hmm. And trust the authority you guys walk in. Trust the authority you walk in. Trust what God's doing on the inside of you. Okay? Trust the authority. Then you notice how the spirit got quiet. Trust the authority. Trust what you're walking in. Don't be afraid to stand against the things that are standing against you. Know what tribute looks like. Okay? Know what tribute. The Lord said that's the spirit of Tourette's. That's what you're looking at. Uh-huh. I said that's what you're looking at. 
There was something else that really stood out to me because after you was talking, I missed what you were saying because I went back into the courtroom and the enemy literally said to me, you're not a pastor. And so I literally said, I'm okay with that. But unless God says something to me otherwise, then I'm going to stand in this position. And he didn't say nothing. He said, unless, unless, I said to him, unless God says to me something otherwise, I said, I'm going to still stand. And then I said, so you're probably whispering to some of the prophets trying to tell them that what they're not too, huh? <laughs> I had a conversation. And I said, but we're all going to stand in Christ. And we're going to take our stand, and that's what's going to be the difference. You can say what we're not, but we know what God called us into. So I solved my own problem. Oh, I shake hard. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes, but, I but not, it may not happen all the time. But from my head, and then I was yes. like, "Yes." Do you know what's why? Going on? Yep. No. But yep. I came from. A, you know, this is funny. Uh, I'm humbled by this, but I came from a church where they. Well, I have to say, I've experienced a church where we shake all the time, right? Yeah. And a lot of it was just fake. Yeah. But a lot of it was right. just super fake. Some of it was actually familiar spirits uh, and stuff like that. But when your soul is trying to hold on to something and God rocks you, you can okay. probably I, shake. I to, yes. I like, yes. I will. Now, I'm not saying, hey, don't make it religion and say this has to happen for anything to happen. But there are many times where I will be shaking just like, oh, because it's really, it's a lot. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Any other questions? I know. No, we just keep the keep our spirits and see what God is saying even as we're praying. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why I was saying it's time to go. That spirit is just heated up. And then I hear the Holy Spirit, the Lord, saying to me, because he sits down now. I see him in that courtroom. He sat down. But now I see my Lord standing up and saying, for you know who you are. You know what I have spoken. And you know what I have said to come. 
He says, stand on my word. And then he sits down. And the room is quiet. Oh, no, it's not quiet. Because the adversary now has something else against me. <laughs> but do you hear me? But this time, the father says no more. The father says no more. He then interjects and says no more. Throne of Grace? No. no the enemy no, can't come there. No. When you were talking about, um, I mean, this is how I heard it, how I received what you were saying, um, that we have to sit before the judgment seat. This is, this right? is being judged, yeah. Right. Okay. But then, if you guys really <laughs> realize the stuff that you thought he was going to say, he didn't say. No, and not address. Uh, the stuff that I thought he was going to no. say. And then I went ahead and started saying this. And I know you're going to probably say this. And I know you're going to probably say that. And I know, so I'm going to tell you these things so you don't have anything to hold against me. But not only him, not only the adversary, because when you were speaking about, when we were having, when we were there, we were talking about even things that you have against yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that you have stated against her counted against me. She is now free. Everything that has been taken from her 
record. They didn't have to pay you, and it was like that. The Lord was like, everything that the enemy has taken from her, please restore it to her. And the Lord was like telling me to get up, and he was like, there's no more shackles on you. Get up, you are free to the redeemed. And it was just this, I almost didn't even receive it right away. The Lord had to like pick me up out of it. But I can't, when, when I came into the courtroom, I was lonely. I was in that guilty place. Oh, yeah. And the Lord had to take me up out of it. Because even after he said I was free, I still sat there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I'm going like, yes, I know I wasn't guilty. I was like, well, I have to, he had to redeem me out of that state too. As you were saying that, the Holy Spirit literally talked about when people go to jail, they pay penalties with their life. They lose days in jail with that has to do with their life. And so you have to understand that the enemy is after your life. The penalty is truly to be assessed against your life. And so when you said, like, shackles being on you and this, 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 you said, no, 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 you know what I mean. Yeah, we understand what you mean because we've been under the same shackles. And so we know our life is where we're penalized. And so that's why when somebody's incarcerated, it's their life. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.